Welcome to another episode of the Let's Sip Podcast. I am your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. And uh, here in the Midwest, we're kind of in the middle, or uh, hoping, hopefully we're nearing the end of uh, the winter season. We're kind of in the doldrums of the season, so to speak. Um, just kind of sick of all the cold. Um, I'm, I'm uh, hoping and uh, very hopeful for the warm weather to get here. It's going to be unseasonably warm today, but uh, it's just a teaser. The temperature is going to drop again, and uh, we're just going to be under uh, 40 degrees Fahrenheit uh, this weekend when um, St. Patrick's Day celebration hits on Saturday. But uh, I feel like it's kind of uh, in the doldrums of the the season. Uh, just been uh, very lazy and uh, just kind of depressing with all this nasty weather and all this cold and snow. And I uh, feel like I'm ready for spring. And I uh, feel like that's when things are going to pick up again, especially in the uh, even in the craft beer world. I feel like there's not a whole lot new going on in the craft beer world, but at the same time, I've not really looked into the news as of late, so perhaps there might be a little bit more going on, but I just feel like there's not too much going on other than uh, everybody's kind of making their New England style IPAs and their Brute IPAs, and um, maybe the last of the uh, barrel-aged seasonals are being rolled out before we hit the uh, spring months. But even with the government shutdown and the holdup on new beers and new beer labels being released, there hasn't been a lot of news on new beers. So uh, hopefully that's going to change in the coming months with the warmer weather. And uh, once festival season hits, perhaps we'll get back into the uh, swing of things. But one particular bright spot, I was able to educate my liver, so to speak, in the past few weeks to a new style of beer. Uh, It's one called a rice IPA. Uh, This is an IPA made with rice. What the rice does is it allows you to basically up your ABV content, but without producing a heavier, sweeter beer. I know a lot of times when I'm enjoying a double IPA, the heavy malt bill uh, that's there for your upped alcohol content uh, often becomes a little too sweet, a little too cloying after drinking on that for a while. So the the rice presents a nice alternative, which gives you that little kick, that little bit higher ABV, uh, but doesn't necessarily wear out your palate. At the same time, it also... uh, creates a lighter, more straw-resembling color than would with the uh, heavier malt bill that you would find in an amber or um, more reddish-tinted traditional double IPA. Now, my first crack at this style was from a brewery called Lake Zurich Brewing Company. They are uh, of the small town of Lake Zurich, which is probably maybe estimated 40 miles northish of uh, the city of Chicago and they recently just got it started within the last year or so but they've also they've already made quite a splash in the craft beer scene Um, they've already started packaging they started canning their beers and their beers have even trickled into Chicago so they've definitely hit the ground running they also have a tap room already and they're doing some excellent stuff recently I got to try a brown ale with a little bit of hazelnut. Um, 
style I really hadn't seen to, um, I hadn't seen often, I can't remember the last time I had a nut brown. Maybe it was lining kugels, perhaps? But it was nice to get back into that nuttier, roastiest, uh, roastier tasting style of brown ale. I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, I recently got to try their double rice IPA, which was uh, quite tasty. But even better, they recently did a collaboration with a uh, hyper, hyper local, very, very nano brewery, uh, McHenry Brewing Company out of uh, McHenry, Illinois, which is about probably 50 miles northwest of the city of Chicago. They are now brewing in the space that used to be occupied by Chano Lakes Brewing. And Lake Zurich Brewing and McHenry Brewing Company recently collaborated on a double rice IPA called Water Resistant Up to 30 Meters. And that was an IPA dry hopped with Galaxy Motueka Nelson Savine, and it was brewed with Quebec yeast. Now I believe the ABV clocked in at a little over six, maybe six and a half uh, on that beer. So it wasn't quite, I would say, a double IPA, but it was sure refreshing and quite drinkable. Um, the rice definitely gave off more of that straw color. And uh, it was definitely lighter drinking and not so heavy like you would get with the uh, uh, traditional malt bill. So uh, I was able to consume quite a few of those. And with the uh, mixture of hops and the dry hopping in there, it was uh, just a really a delicious, refreshing IPA. And um, I find my palate not getting tired at all as I went from pint to pint. I think I drank about four pints in a row. And... Um, my, pa my palate never felt fatigued or felt like it was, the beer was getting too dry or my tongue was getting too dry at all. So um, I was really impressed by it, and uh, it will be interesting to see uh, if rice IPA becomes more of a thing in the future going forward. And if that's the case, then the, uh, uh, is it BJCP, uh, the brewer or the, uh, the brewer ju brewing judges are going to definitely have to have... Uh, perhaps another style to add to their uh, records for the next uh, beer competition or the next GABF coming around the corner at some point. But time will tell to see if rice IPAs become a bigger thing or if they're just kind of those one-offs that certain breweries tend to explore from time to time. Now my beer drinking has had some starts and stops as of late with uh, the weather uh, just have be just hurting financially, so to speak, not having a lot of uh, extra funds for beer, and also just trying to kind of want to curb, cut back a little bit. You know, it's always good to give the liver a rest. So I haven't been out exploring too much in the way of new beer. However, recently I did get to finally make the uh, long-awaited trip down to Chicago, and I went to Old Irving Brewing Company. It's hard to believe that Old Irving Brewing opened in late 2016. I didn't even think it was that long ago. So it's been quite a while. It's almost been a, uh, it's been a little over two years for them. And I had not been able to get out to their facility until recently. 
So um, I was uh, super excited that I finally got the chance to go. And I knew that their beer preceded them a little bit. I had been to a beer event at another local brew pub called uh, Dry Hop, uh, where they had a tap takeover of a bunch of different beers that were all uh, double dry hopped or dry hopped. Uh, as uh, this was about perhaps a year and a half ago, something like that, when uh, dry hopping became more of a mainstream term and became po uh, rather popular in the zeitgeist. Uh, anybody who's kind of followed craft beer and knew the process of uh, making beer and brewing a little bit understood that uh, beers, especially IPAs and hoppy beers, were always dry hopped. But at some point, uh, dry hopping became the uh, much more of a uh, term in the zeitgeist and mainstream. The fact that it all, uh, also, also often contributes to a huge, huge hop aroma but uh, doesn't give away to that bitterness on the back end, uh, which is a uh, characteristic that is especially fitting of New England styles and hazies, which, as we know, are all the rage uh, these days. But at this particular tap takeover, I was able to try Old Irving's Beezer, um, which I don't even know if that time they were calling it a New England style IPA. It's definitely categorized as that now. Uh, let's see delicious very very tasty beer for sure um, but that was really I think one of the only beers that I'd gotten to try from them it uh, was quite tasty so I knew they were making good stuff I'd heard a bunch of great things so uh, it was just a matter of trying to get out and get out to their spot and I was finally able to do that I did also eat there and the food was great um, I uh, as uh, I spent some time talking to the bartender about the beer, of course, and I also asked about his recommendation on food, and he steered me in the direction of the corned beef sandwich, and he said, uh, depended how much I liked a fatty corned beef, and um, I said, sure, I would be down for a fattier corned beef, and uh, he said it was definitely that, and he was correct. Uh, it was a very, very fatty corned beef. It was almost to the texture of like a kind of a bacon, very thick, uh, very chewy, but it was very tasty. So um, it was nice that he kind of prepped me for that, but still the corned beef sandwich proved to be uh, quite delicious. And uh, I was glad he pointed me in that direction because he said he quite enjoyed it himself. So the food was definitely notable. And... Um, the beer was quite good as well. Um, I wasted no time digging right in. I went for my first beer. I got their milk stout called uh, Krampus Cookies. And this was a milk stout with lactose, cocoa nibs, uh, chocolate malts, and Tahitian vanilla bean. Now with all these ingredients, I kind of felt like there should be a little bit more flavor distinguished on it. Um, it was good. Uh, I kind of let it sit around a little bit trying to warm up, see if more of these notes would kind of come out of it. I didn't get a lot of uh, anything standing out as the beer warmed up. It was still tasty. It was still a solid stout, but for especially having both cocoa nibs and the chocolate malts in there, I was hoping to get a little bit more of a sweeter chocolate taste to it. That did not come through. Um, the vanilla didn't quite stand out either. Yeah, it was a solid stout, but I felt like it just wasn't anything super special. 
but they also had a varietal of this particular beer on as well. It was called the Champorado Krampus. And this was the Krampus base beer, but made with uh, Saigon cinnamon and ancho and guajillo chiles. And this said this was supposed to add a little bit of sweetness and a little bit heat to the end of the beer. Now I was expecting to get a little more of that spiciness from the peppers at the end, but I certainly didn't. It was uh, quite amazing. What I got more was a uh, sweeter taste of the pepper. Uh, more of the cinnamon definitely came through in the aroma and in the taste of the beer. Uh, but you got a little bit of the sweetness of the chiles at the end and a little bit of the smokiness of the chiles at the end. But it wasn't like a peppery type of like uh, heat or anything like that at the end of the beer. The chiles worked really, really well with the beer. They kind of, uh, they sold it as kind of a Mexican hot chocolate style beer and that's usually not my taste profile and I wasn't expecting to like it quite as much as I did. But I got a small pour of that to go along with the regular Krampus. I drank all the Krampus first, let the uh, Champorado sit to the end so I could kind of tell the difference entirely between the two beers. And uh, I definitely liked the Champorado better. Uh, the cinnamon, I'm not a huge cinnamon uh, fan, but it wasn't entirely overly done. There was a lot on the nose, but the taste was all right. And uh, that sweetness and the soakiness, the uh, uh, sweetness and the smokiness, such a subtle way to use those peppers. Uh, they didn't come out in, in any sort of heat or any sort of like peppery spice at the end. And um, just a really solid execution on that beer. And of course, since Brute IPAs are kind of having a moment right now, they did have their own Brute IPA on tap called Brute Ale Smash. Uh, but of the name kind of hints, this Brute IPA in particular was a smash beer, meaning uh, brewed with just a single malt and a single hop. And the malt was Maris Otter, and the hop was a hop I've never heard of before called Triple Pearl. So this intrigued me, and uh, it proved to be quite unique tasting beer, to be certain. And the uh, I had to do a little bit of research on the Triple Pearl Hop. Um, apparently it comes from a, the Pearl, P-E-R-L-E, uh, variety, uh, Pearl, I guess, Hop, uh, on the female side. And whatever other male side it mated with to create this particular hop is unknown. But uh, the hop apparently has a very high alpha acid and a much more pr pronounced aroma. Uh, it's bitter forward, slight astringency, and pleasant mouthfeel. Aroma is very typical of traditional pearl. Uh, it's not helpful because I don't think I've had too many of regular Pearl, P-E-R-L-E hops. Uh, but there's greater emphasis on melon, sweet citrus, and Christmas spices like clove, allspice, etc. I'm reading here from a website called Gorst Valley Hops. It's giving me more information about this triple pearl. A uh, very slight earthiness tempers this hop into something suitable for most beer styles, especially that new thing, quote-unquote, brewers look for in IPAs. So Triple Pearl looks like it's another 
newish varietal coming down the track. Uh, I found an article about it briefly on Draft Magazine. Uh, said they were looking at new hops at a recent uh, brewer's convention meeting, but there was no date on the article anywhere, so I don't know when this hop kind of started becoming a thing, if it's relatively new or not. Uh, if it is, it's definitely going to join in the world of likes of like uh, the Laurel Hop or the Grungeist Hop. Uh, but uh, kind of like the Grungeist Hop, this Triple Pearl seems like it's got a little bit of both worlds. Like it could play as both a uh, fruitier or um, tropical hop, but it also has uh, earthiness and a little bit more of that bitterness in the uh, classic traditional sense of IPAs and uh, hop bitterness as well. So it'll be interesting to see if we see more of this triple pearl coming down the line. But the the brutal smash was uh, with that Maris Otter malt, which you don't see uh, a lot of standing out uh, by itself too often, and the triple pearl uh, resulted in a uh, uh, a nice, uh, unique execution on a uh, brute IPA. They also had a Kolsch on tap which I could not resist uh, getting. It's not often you see a Kolsch-style ale on tap at a uh, brew pub, so I definitely had to get a pour of that. Um, I also had another Kolsch-style that was a little bit more hot-forward that they had brewed in collaboration with Pipeworks, and the bartender was nice enough to give me a small taste of that one so I could compare them side-by-side. Even the hoppier, um, more modern American style uh, or American um, take on the Kolsch style, uh, the it was definitely more hoppy on the aroma, it was definitely a little bit more hoppy on the taste, but it still wasn't enough hop to kind of take away from the style. It was still a little, there was still a little bit of balance there, which I was a little bit surprised how much I thought that was still a quality beer. Um, the, the regular Kolsch style, uh, which is called Della, is very good. And this uh, this more modern, hopped-up style was uh, pretty good on its own as well. I then moved on to hoppier territory, went with their Sentinel. Uh, scent is spelled like the smell, S-C-E-N-T. And uh, that was hopped with Citra, Mosaic, and Centennial. I always like to see a third hop play alongside when you see Citra and Mosaic in the same hop bill. Because those two hops love to fight for attention. They're both uh, super aromatic and uh, have super huge characteristics when it comes to flavor. Uh, and they both like to steal the show. So it's nice to see another hop to kind of balance out the profile. Centennial was a very, or Sentinel, sorry. Um, Sentinel with the Centennial Hops uh, was a very, uh, very delicious IPA, very reminiscent to what would be expected from a uh, Chicago-style IPA, uh, kind of uh, reminiscent of something I would have had at like uh, even Half Acre or um, Atlas Brewing back in the day before they became Burnt City. It was just very much a similar taste, something that felt very similar to other IPAs I've drank in the Chicago area.
I kind of thought the same thoughts uh, when I went on to Citra Thoughts, which was their double IPA. Um, this was a double IPA with Citra and Amarillo hops. And I kind of thought this had a similar taste to the Sentinel. I was curious if perhaps this is just their particular LE strain coming through. Um, something I've kind of referenced or kind of noticed in the past with beers out of like Half Acre start to get a similar taste among their hoppy beers and their IPAs. Wondering if uh, that's also the case. I'm wondering if that is because of their ALE strain and because um, they're always probably repitching that same ale yeast and perhaps um, that's the same thing I was noticing here with the um, old Irving IPAs. But um, that was quite delicious as well. Um, but then I did finish off the night uh, to go with the easy points. I went for the slam dunkle. Of course, anytime you see a dunkle on tap, uh, it is your duty to uh, drink one for uh, the classic style as well as uh, just because it's hard to find a lot of breweries that are going to make a dunkle and have one on tap. So uh, it's always a great way to end the night and uh, make sure you pay homage to the tradition. So I was definitely glad that I finally got to hit up Old Irving. Um, the service was great. The bartender was friendly, knowledgeable, and he uh, was quick to offer suggestions or uh, talk about the different style of beers as well as help me with food recommendations and everything else. So overall, I was very happy with my visit. I thought the beer was all outstanding. Um, so I was glad I finally got to go. I know that they are distributing their kegs throughout the Chicagoland area. They did have a couple of beers canned uh, in particular that they were selling um, at their facility. I don't believe they're distributing cans locally um, uh, in the Chicagoland area as of yet. Um, could be wrong on that and if they are it's probably just Chicago proper but I don't think they are I think they're just selling the cans out of their uh, place and then they're just distributing some kegs to local Chicago bars uh, and I know there's some of their kegs have at suburbs as well so um, they are slowly working at building a footprint and if the quality of their beer is any indication um, they definitely have room to growth and um, their expansion will be soon to come, that is for sure. So if you ever find yourself out in Chicago and you're looking for a brewery that you haven't been to yet or uh, one of the newer ones that's a little off the beaten path, I would say check out Old Irving. And um, you can't go wrong for a good meal and a good selection of beer. Did you know that you could find a six-pack of... A New England style IPA, a six pack of 12 ounce cans at your local uh, liquor store or grocery store for probably uh, somewhere in the range of like $9.99, $10 for a six pack of a New England style IPA. No, of course I'm not talking about uh, Sam Adams and their New England style IPA which uh, I don't think I've ever actually had, but I'm sure it's probably a little bit underwhelming considering their um, 
inability to kind of let hops run wild. I am talking about one of the newest beers from Bell's Brewing Company. And it is called Official. They, yes, they entered the hazy IPA uh, arena. They finally catered to or um, cratered to the gimmick, the popularity, the trend, whatever you want to call it. Um, they finally made a hazy IPA. However, they did theirs a little bit differently. Uh, and a lot of New England style IPAs and hazy IPAs, brewers will add oats to give that uh, hazy quality and that hazy characteristic. Uh, but Bell's is going to take a little different approach, as they do with a lot of their beers. And um, they're basically bringing on the haze, but with wheat. So they're using Pilsen malt and wheat in this particular hazy IPA, in this official. And this beer clocks in at 6.4% ABV. Um, they don't measure the IBUs. Uh, Untapped does not have a listed, and after checking the Bell's website, they give an explanation as to why they don't list the IBUs. Uh, but then if you hit the little link to see uh, more information about why they don't list IBUs, it shows the IBUs as 55, but I don't believe that is the case here. I think that's just a misprint. Um, or a holdover from another beer's page. Um, the, AB, or the IBUs are extremely low, that is for sure. Um, definitely fits the hazier New England I, um, IPA style, as there is pretty much no bitterness on the back end. But you do get a ridiculous amount of hops and a hop aroma on this. Uh, it's double dry hopped with mosaic. Citra, Azaka, Amarillo, and El Dorado hops. So that is quite a mouthful and uh, quite a bouquet you have going on there on the nose. Um, and it definitely succeeds in its mission. It pours a uh, very orange juice-like orange hue, uh, very thick. It's unable to see through the glass. And the, uh, the aroma definitely gives off that beautiful bouquet of all those different hops. It's nice to see a Zaka in the mix. Like I said, you've got Amarillo and Eldorado in there to um, hang tight with the Citron Mosaic so the Citron Mosaic don't take over too much of the beer. But um, this is an ex extremely low bitterness beer and uh, extremely... Uh, palatable and uh, easy drinking beer as well. I mean, this is almost, uh, s the, the hops are almost unregisterable as you drink further down the can. By the time I was having the last few sips, I was just picking up a little bit on the nose before it kind of slowly faded away into more of like a wheat style ale beer. Um, but this is just an example of a company that's been doing it for over 30 years and um, just uh, bringing their best to another style of beer. So they pretty much uh, hit this one right on the head, in my opinion. 
Um, this is an easily uh, something you could crush one after the other. Uh, with an ABV that's kind of moderate, that wouldn't necessarily be a great idea. But, um, man, this beer was smooth. It went down nice and easy and um, was refreshing. And the whole time, uh, just enjoying that nose and that bouquet of uh, floral uh, hop deliciousness um, on the aroma. So, uh, if you've not yet gotten around to trying the Bell's Hazy IPA. I know there's a lot of New England styles out there, a lot of haze out there, a lot of small batch stuff at your local brew pubs that are just on tap. By all means, you got to give those guys love, give them support. But uh, if you're kind of worked your way through the majority of what your local breweries have to offer in terms of New England style and haze and you want to try something new, uh, definitely grab a six-pack of that Bells. The price point is ridiculously good. Uh, when I picked up the six-pack today, there really was no tag around it, so I was expecting to pay at least a couple dollars extra because it's the Hazy IPA and it's a one-off. But, uh, man, I rang that up, and it was, you know, for the six-pack of cans. And uh, at that price point, I mean, usually a six-pack of two-hearted bottles is like $10.99. So this is almost a dollar cheaper than like a six-pack of two-hearted, which is crazy. But uh, you can't go wrong with a beer like this for a, a price point that that's, that's uh, that solid. And their website says this is going to be year-round. So... Uh, if that's the case, then we're about to be spoiled with a whole lot of great opportunity to be trying and drinking some uh, official uh, year-round and for uh, some time to come. So uh, definitely look at picking this one up if you find it at your local liquor store or your local grocery store. There's always room for another hazy beer or another New England style when it's done through a uh, uh, brewery that has history and knows what they're doing and uh, they got the skills to put their unique take on it. But that's just my opinion, of course. You'll have to try it for yourself and let me know what you thought. That will do it for this episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. Podcast theme music composed by Brandon E. Gaylor. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for hosting the podcast. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Let's Sip Podcast. Thank you very much for sipping with us, and we'll drink with you again next time. Bye-bye.